Well, what's your favorite speech or the most memorable speech? Well, that's a very difficult question. But if I had to choose, perhaps something like this. I would say to the House, as I said to those who have joined the government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. Well, that's Churchill for sure, in uh, 1940, speaking to the House of Commons. What makes this a compelling speech, you think? Well, first of all, it's very persuasive. But it, it is not just... Um, it's the mode that he, he is speaking in. He's, he's addressing something in a particular way. Yeah, well, um, obviously he's moving his audience. He's moving them to action. Um, what we look at now is what makes speeches in general, not in general, but all kinds of different speeches compelling to an audience. And uh, you can hear that he's he's inviting them not just to uh, anything, but to suffering, to uh, to give their lives for something. Yes, and that's the, that's the most interesting part, uh, as I see it, that he's, he's not promise, promising them success he's he's aiming for victory but what he says is really to emphasize the suffering that uh, they will meet uh, and what what is ahead is just blood sweat tears so um well with no further ado it's i think it's time to uh wish you welcome to this first episode of our podcast the four speeches every leader has to know. Uh, we believe that there are actually four speeches every leader has to know. The opening speech, the executioner speech, the consolation speech, and the farewell speech. You will learn more about these speeches uh, in our next podcast, but uh, this podcast will be about the whole idea of what makes a speech compelling and the importance of suffering and inviting the audience to action. I'm uh, Bård Nordheim. And I'm Joa Hager. For quite a few years uh, now, the two of us, we have looked into uh, many speeches, in fact, hundreds of speeches, uh, by all sorts of leaders, um, political leaders, business leaders, sports leaders, and religious leaders. And I think it's not particularly controversial to claim that leadership... Um in all different facets of leadership is directed to the future in some way and it involves change. But our cl particular claim is that the leader needs to, because of that, he or she needs to address suffering. And why do we find that to be important? Well, well that, uh, the theme of suffering is, is interesting because it is, first of all, an inevitable part of life. It is Suffering is part of the human condition. We are forced to adjust to shifting times and conditions and we have to relate to change. And change itself is, um, so to speak, suffering in, in the classical tradition. So you think if, if a leader is able to address suffering or change, uh, insecurity, he will 
appear more persuasive in a way. Well, yes, because in fact, one one important thing about it is that he is actually able to address re- reality. And reality has to do with suffering and change. So if you don't speak about that, you won't be credible in a sense. Yes, exactly. You, you will just be um, addressing uh, one part of reality, but you, you will not be able to describe one of the most basic things that people um, experience and what life is all about, namely suffering and change. This actually uh, makes me think of uh, one of a speech we haven't written about in our uh, in our book. Um, have you ever watched the film Any Given Sunday? I I have indeed. Yeah, and it's about a once great American football team uh, now struggling to make the playoffs because of injuries and internal conflicts and all that. And there's this locker room talk uh, by Al Pacino's character, Coach Tony Diamato. And it's before a decisive game. Uh, and I just watched it the other day. And it's it kind of still gives you the goosebumps. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. I mean, uh, you you need you sort of need to hear it or watch it to to get into it. And uh, That's uh, a nice uh, Al Pacino impersonation, by the way. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, it's a great speech for sure. There's uh, First of all, there's a lot of clever repetition. I think it repeats the main metaphor inch by inch. 13 times. Um, the inches we need are all everywhere around us. And he nicely uses other contrasting metaphors like hell and light. And he builds momentum with the use of his voice and gestures and all of that. Actually, he's, he's, in some parts, he's, he's really calm and he's, uh, and he's building it's all the time this shifting momentum. But what I found really fascinating as I watched it again is how important the notion of suffering is. Uh, and it's how Pacino talks about suffering. It really makes, I think, both him and his speech credible. Uh, how? Well, uh, if we listen to this uh, part towards the end of the speech, he's screaming uh, almost from the top of his lungs. And it, it, in some sense, it's about suffering. It's and even about death. And uh, okay, okay, death I, it is. Death. Let's uh, let's try that. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's going to win that itch. And I know if I'm going to have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. This is interesting. Um... He is actually um, making suffering his main theme, and it it is not about telling people about suffering itself, but it's about motivation, isn't it? Yeah, sort of. Um, to me, in this short clip, uh, Al Pacino sounds like a war general. Yeah. But he still does not enter the fight. He's going to put on a jersey and fight with them, really, isn't he? So how does he persuade the players that this this cause, this fight is worth suffering for? Well, I think it's uh, he does it in lots of different ways. Um, he sort of builds his own ethos of failure and 
how he looks himself into the mirror and think he's he, he points out the mistakes he's made and that he's too old to do this. Could you, could you explain what 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 do you mean by ethos? Uh, his it's not his personality, but it's his character as a speaker. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's how he appears to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know him as a coach, but in, in this uh, speak speech, he needs to set himself as a character before them and say that this is who I am to you right now in this specific time and place. And I speak to you and I want to bring you into this. Yes, this is... Is, is this what makes him so compelling for the for the, for the the players? Maybe. I, I mean, they know him, but in this very particular situation, he uses his own story to contrast it with the opportunity at hand. He's old... He's learned that as you grow older, you understand that things get taken from you. That's his point. Life's a game of inches, he says. Ouch. Uh, but the players, they can use this game in a way that he can't uh, to claw with the fingernails for that inch. <laughs> That's fascinating. How, how does he do that? Well, when he finishes the speech, the whole speech builds on how he has addressed suffering, death, and sacrifice in a credible way. Uh, I think Probably that's what really moves the players. So let's uh, let's listen to the end uh, together. How how he ends the speech. Uh, you ready? Yes. Play it on. And either we heal now as a team, or we will die as individuals. As football guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you gonna do? So, just before this part, he he speaks about look at the guy next to you, look into his eyes, and I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows. When it comes down to it, you're going to do the same for him. So in the same, he first starts with his own story, and then he puts them up next to each other, saying that life's a game of inches, and now you can enter this life together. And you know that the one next to you, he's going to fight with you as, you as you will fight for him. And that's why he can say, either we heal now as a team, or we'll die as individuals. So the point he's making is that they are connected by suffering. They will they will suffer together. And the bond in, is suffering. The bond uh-huh. is, in a way, it's it's not the success ahead. Of course, that they, they'll celebrate that. That's not the point. But what connects them is really their passion for the inch by inch suffering, mm-hmm. the, the reality of life. That's that's. Um uh, it taps into a, to perhaps a, a larger story in, in the American rhetoric tradition. Uh, I'm reminded of, of John F. Kennedy's phrase, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for the country. It's, yeah, it's sort of the same. I mean, this, he's, not as, uh, he's not as Al Pacino as, as Al Pacino's Al Pacino, but still it's, it's some of the same, absolutely. But, but yeah, well... Isn't the problem here that what he does and what 
a lot of the um, American rhetorical tradition does is to so, some sort um, glorify suffering, in a sense. Yeah, I, yeah. So, the, so sacrifice and suffering became become some something adorable and uh, uh, something that just. Uh, so, so, so you think that that's not credible in some sense if you if you push that too far. Yeah, the, the problem is that we, although we we could be um, ready or or we could. Do you think there are more or less useful ways to speak of suffering in when you try to deliver a compelling speech? Is that what you're aiming at? Yes, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm thinking of 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 um, an awkward scene in the first episodes of the TV series called The House of Cards. Yes. You know, there's a in the beginning there's the the sly, um, cynical congressman Frank Underwood. Yes. He tries to make his way into the summit of political power in Washington, and before he starts on that journey, he finds a dog run over by a car. I think it, it's the I think it's the neighbor's dog or something like that. It is. Yeah. yeah. He realizes that the dog is not going to survive, so he looks into the camera and proclaims something like, There are two kinds of pain. The sort of pain that makes you strong, or useless pain. The sort of pain that's only suffering. I have no patience for useless things. <laughs> Moments like this require someone who will act, who will do the unpleasant thing necessary thing. Well, um, no more pain. Uh, well, I, I think I get a sense of what you're aiming at, but still, it seems too easy to distinguish between useful and useless pain, like he does here. Uh, it makes you understand suffering in a more un- instrumental way, to me. Yes, um, Perhaps you could you could say that suffering is definitely an ine- inevitable part of life, and so I not, don't not don't, just the life of dogs. You mean, but it's just uh, yes, it's it's a it's a fundamental part of the human condition, as we say said in the beginning. You cannot just eradicate useless pain and suffering, or speak about suffering in an instrumental manner. You need to to be able to to craft that into a credible story, a story that includes suffering that speaks about insecurity, change, and suffering in an authentic way. So, so uh, there's something particular about the situations with uh, Churchill speaking to Britain at the verge of war or, or, or in a war, and Al Pacino speaking when you're entering uh, a game of inches. So speaking of suffering depends, in order for it to be credible, it also depends a bit on the... Uh, situation in a way. It is definitely uh, extremely important uh, not to just to take a, a theory of suffering or um, and distinguish it, how to use it, but it, it, it needs to be interpreted in every situation. And that's what, it's the interpretation that sort of makes it credible. Yes. It? Yeah, but still, sometimes you hear the idea of how do you move your company from good to great or how do you show your best self all, all of that, and uh, what what we're actually hitting at here is saying that it, 
might be counterproductive if you want to be credible and appear persuasive to just tell a story that highlights only success and growth. Yes, the problem is that it success and growth, um, good to great, they are only um, possible outcomes and perhaps not even uh, regular outcomes. And many times success is just um, uh, there after long periods of of mere suffering and it's this um to make suffering also a credible part of the story that might turn into a success that is the key i think that these um uh, experts in the rhetorical craft can can um can utilize this very fundamental aspect of of the human condition so um it's a leadership issue in, in some way then, because uh, when you when a leader delivers a speech or stands up to seize the word, um, he or she would try to move the audience, uh, sort of uh, point out the direction towards the future. Yes, a- and then uh, you want that, and you want to move the audience. You want to do that in an authentic, incredible way. So. Uh, it's sort of some of the things you're saying it connects with some theories on leading change, adaptive, uh, disruptive change, all of that. Uh, but still, um, the future, it's how do you speak of uh, suffering in a way that makes people want to enter the future? Well, I think the, the um, uh, speaking about the future is what the leader is put in his leadership position to do. So it's a position, the, the, the position of the leader is to speak about the future. Yes, if, if not, we could have accountants, you know, just yeah. repeating the past. But the, the, the thing of, of uh, having a, uh, a speak about the future is to have an, an envision a future, but the path leading to that envisioned future might include suffering and perhaps even um, uh, quite strong or um, large sacrifices that that um, you sp- spoke earlier about the different interpretations of suffering that there are uh, the meaning of suffering can be inter- interpreted in many different ways uh, well you, one could think of uh, suffering as punishment trial purification and sacrifice uh, and what does this have to do with leaders trying to give a compelling speech well the 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 Envisioned future, the the ideal world, so to speak, the, the, the what, what we want to reach into um, is an ideal. But the path to that ideal or, or to that state of of bliss is uh, it comes uh, only through um, uh, suffering, as I as I can see. And and these people who who um, who are speaking, uh, motivating people is to take that yoke, the yoke of suffering upon them, mm-hmm. and then to enter um, into a to a path that might lead to success. But it's only an option. It's it's, it's not a given. It's not a guarantee. Right. So, it, it's well, if suffering is an ingredient in any 
or a possible ingredient at any great thing than from sports to uh, love to any great thing you want to come alive, then the Inch by Inch Speak by Al Pacino tries to motivate the players to suffer for the team, I guess. And, and it does it by pointing out that it's not the future success that should motivate you, but it's the dedication or the the thing between us, the the reality that we share in this moment. Exactly, and this is this is not a new theme. It's it's an old, it's an old. Uh, um... But if you were a business leader, uh, and you're in a position where you have to cut budgets or let people go or even fire someone, you, you, how do you uh, how do you offer a, uh, a rationale for uh, for suffering? Now the. Um the suffering is, I think, the um, the um, the part of reality that is there anyway. So you have to to um, or if you are to announce budget cuts or letting people go, you you have to deal with the the, the very reality that is at hand and to tap that into. Uh, the question of what to do with it to uh, so in in order to to interpret it uh, in 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 light of the preferred future. Um. So uh, there are different ways to interpret suffering. We spoke about that. Uh, would, if we look at two different traditions, let's say uh, the Machiavellian tradition of interpreting suffering and the more traditional uh, understanding of suffering in the in the classic Greek tradition. How would you say you could distinguish between the two? The uh, Machiavelli um, sees suffering as um, as an, a, a mere instrument in creating uh, political goals. So this now we're in 16th century Italy, and uh, well, the prince he, he's writing about how. Uh, the leader, the prince, should take or should use his power. Yeah. Yes, and and he 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 uses uh, he inflicts, or he says that the prince should inflict suffering on the people in order to create specific political goals. So it's sort of instrumental. This understanding of it is it is instrumental in a very specific way because he wants he wants to create fear because fear is very useful for a political leader. Constructive in a way, yes, yeah. and constructed towards what sort of end? Well, the the um, the problem uh, that uh, Machiavelli faces um, is that he says, given the the um, uh, what what is at stake for Machiavelli is to secure the political authority of the prince, and to that end, he uses all. Uh, the necessary means, not in the classical tradition of of being a virtuous leader or to 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 um, because that's the Greek tradition, the, the idea of the virtuous leader. Yes, well, the the virtu the virtuous leader takes upon himself, so to speak, the reality of suffering by by pot participating in that suffering. It's not an instrumental in in the same sense as with Machiavelli. So if we if we come back to the to the to the speak of Pacino, he is 
participating in in their uh, in in the team's struggle for uh, fighting uh, uh, against um, or to 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 strive for success. To to so would you say his approach is Machiavellian or more of the virtuous uh, Greek? Well, he's he's, he's finding a, a sort of a, a middle, path, a middle path because he 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 actually frames the suffering very very concretely into the it's it's they have to win the game inch by inch yeah. but at the same time he frames it into a larger narrative of giving themselves to uh, to, to others to or, others yeah, it's, and and it's, he, he creates this healing this, as a team and all exactly. that exactly yeah. it, it creates this feeling of a, of being a, a theme that they are connected by the very fact of their suffering so he's not sitting on top in some some uh, political chair uh, giving just orders he's sort of sympathetic or empathetic with the players so to sum up a bit uh, towards the end uh, the leader has to address suffering uh, if he or she wants to appear credible uh, and that has to do with uh, addressing life uh, as it is in that particular situation it might be very different ways of addressing suffering in different sorts of situations and you're left with different choices of how to interpret suffering. You could do the more Machiavellian approach of where it's more instrumental and which is what we hear in Frank Underwood's speech. Or you could use what you hear some of, at least, in Al Pacino's speech, where it's we heal as a team, we build character, uh, we share in something common. Uh, it's uh, it's this idea of uh, the the ethos. Uh, Indeed. Yeah. The, and, and the... And, and the uh, the most um, interesting thing about Pacino's uh, talk about it is that he, he's also tapping his, his own story. It's not just about the the uh, the players, but it's about him himself. Hmm. So he's sort of giving himself to in the, the to the team in to a way. the team yeah. in in a way, and and he he poses and one of the most sly uses of suffering is that he uses it as um, as a, he takes some of his wrong decisions and he says, now it's possible for you to make the right decisions. Yeah. And that's a, so he speaks from a very low point of... of, of that's uh, how he builds his ethos to be exactly. convincing, yeah. Um, in the podcast to come, we will look at how the different four speeches, the opening speech, the executioner speech, the consolation speech and the farewell speech how you're supposed to address suffering and uh, uh, or how you can do it in different ways and what could be the effect of doing this and that. So that's what we'll discuss in the podcast to come. Um, next up is the opening speech, right? Indeed. I think you can see at least um, some parts of, of uh, Al Pacino's speech as an opening speech. It's a bit like the inauguration speech of a president in some way. You're... You're setting a path for a larger community. Yes, and he he's he's trying to to um, convey his listeners, the players, to invest their time, energy, and talents of the preferred future, namely to win the game. And so he's setting a a, a path as sort of a an um, a typology of what the opening speech is all about. So. Um, 
for the podcast to come, there will be we'll take it speech by speech or inch by inch, as you might say. We hope also guest by guest. So uh, that's indeed, inch by inch, speech by speech. So thank you so much.